You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. And it's Tech Fan Podcast 340. Look at that, David. No uh, hesitation when I hit record this time. I just got to reboot every now and then, I guess. That's the power of the reboot. Yeah, it's probably been, in all seriousness, months since I've rebooted this computer. Got to do it every now and then. It's like, um, but of course, what happens is the um, little IT civilization that has been developing at speed inside your computer has yeah. now just been annihilated because you reboot. Well, all those little Tron programs with the glowing disks and all of that have yep. just been wiped away. They're all gone. Mass murder. You brute. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, 340 episodes in and uh, still going strong. What else yep. is going strong is the MyMac podcast because they're coming up on 700 and Guy Searle and I have been talking a little bit about uh, possibility of you and I maybe uh, joining Guy and Gaz uh, for at least a segment uh, on the 700th episode of the MyMac podcast. I said, yeah, I'm down for that. I'm sure David yeah, would be, be too. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a good time. Yeah. So what is going on with you? Anything spectacularly fun? Obviously, we weren't together last week, but we're here this week. Yeah. No, I've been um, working really hard. I've had... I've had a technical challenge to deal with on top of the day job, which is our company's going for a different level of security accreditation. And we found out some time ago that that meant that um, all of our company laptops, and there's 30 odd of those, uh, but they're not managed those. They, they're basically, they're just completely independent that we didn't, we weren't allowed to have um, local administrative rights on those anymore, which is a standard way things are set up on the Mac, but on a Windows PC, that is not the way things are generally done. Um, so I had to, I spent the last two weeks trying to figure out a way of basically making fairly fundamental changes to the way those machines operate, and also to be able to continue to allow people to install software without them having administrative rights, and um, it's been a bit of a bear, to be honest. Uh, managed to pull it off, but uh, it was hard work, and um, yeah, I kind of, I missed the idea of corporate IT and centralized servers and stuff like that because it would have made it a whole lot easier. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so after this, I've decided that I need to stop doing the IT support for my company. I need to get somebody somebody in to do it for me. I don't blame you, but it's not, yeah. it's, yeah. It's, it, it's too big now. It was when it was just, you know, a few <laughs> of us, it was fine. But well, especially if you're doing managed services. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you know, I've got a day job. I'm doing consultancy that people pay me a lot of money for, and I'm spending time messing around with batch files and scripts and stuff like that. It's not, uh, it's not good. So I'm pretty, pretty whacked because I've got to the end of that now. We uh, obviously, like I said, we weren't together last week. I just did a uh, kind of a fill-in show, but I listened to that show because I dropped in a geekiest show ever. I think it was number mm-hmm. six from 2009 so nine years ago and yeah you know obviously we the whole topic last week was star wars and i had a really good time listening to that back it had been so long ago yeah but i think it i think i still agreed with pretty much everything everyone was saying Mm -hmm. it was uh i don't know if you listened to it back but it was fun yeah yeah those those things are good i always remember um when you used to watch TV shows, I don't, I don't think people do this very much anymore, but when you used to watch TV shows in the 80s, uh, normally at least once a season, you would get effectively what we did last week, which would be a clip show. Yes. Where they would contrive some low-budget way to justify showing back bits of other episodes as a cheap filler episode. Yep. Yeah, I thought if about it was those sci-fi, it was always somebody was in a coma and they were remembering things. Or, uh, you remember that time when? Yes, and then they do the, ooh, the wavy yeah. thing and you'd be back in time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, I don't think. At least I can't remember a show that's done that in forever. 
you might get a recap at the beginning of a season or something, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? You imagine Jimmy lost if they'd done a clip show. <laughs> oh, that would have clarified a lot of things. <laughs> so, um, did you see? Well, I one, the reason that I couldn't do it on the day that was convenient for you is because I had, as I said at the beginning of this episode last week, uh, an appointment in Ann Arbor at the Apple mm-hmm. Store to get Brooks' phone screen replaced, yep. which has now been replaced. Cost me thirty bucks. Because I've got Apple Care Plus on it. Yeah, so that's a good investment <clears throat> right there. Yeah, well, yeah. Especially when your daughter's 14 and you know damn well she's going to break the screen at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be honest, though, I was very unhappy with Apple. While they did wow. the repair, uh, it was anything but timely. So right. we made the appointment. I made the appointment at 1.05 p.m., we walked up to an Apple employee at 1.04 p.m., so right on time. Mm-hmm. Good timing on my part. It's not like we messed around or killed time before we walked in. We literally parked. It's about a little over an hour away. Yeah. I literally parked, walked in, walked right to the store. So, yeah, mm-hmm. good timing on my end. And, uh, you know, checking in and asking, you know, I see it's bringing it in for a yeah, that was stupid. GarageBand just gave me the disk full error and it's or disk too slow error. It's a freaking SSD. Come on. <laughs> it looked like Plex was taking up one point one gigabytes of writing data and reading data, and nobody's watching anything on Plex right now. It's I don't know something weird's going on. These systems are very complicated nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to have to keep an eye on it, and if it does it again, we'll pick up recording right where we left off. So uh, where I left off right there was, um, yeah, we had an appointment. We get there on time, and she says it's going to be about three hours for us to fix it. Right. And I said, three hours? And it turns out that this whole battery thing with Apple is causing a stampede at the Apple store. So when you make an well, appointment, uh, that just gets you to check in quicker. If you don't, yeah. if you don't check in remotely, you don't make an appointment. It's at least twenty minutes to a half hour to talk to a genius. Right. So they are inundated with battery replacements. Yeah, so but it's their own doing. I mean, uh, well, well, that's the yeah. The first, first of all, it's their own doing. If you're going to offer a program like that, staff up so you're ready to. Yep. And they're not. I guarantee you, this is the same way at every Apple store right now. Yeah, but so that's that's point one. But point two is if you know somebody's coming in for a more complicated repair rather than the battery, yeah, then prioritize that. Yep. They didn't. You know, because they know who's coming in and what they're coming in for. That's kind of my point. I asked. I said, yeah. "What's the point in making an an appointment if I've got to?" hang out at the mall for three hours. Yeah. And that's when she was like, well, if you didn't make an appointment, you'd have to wait over here for another 20 minutes. So, yeah, but that, but that basically says, okay, the appointment is just for somebody to meet with you, yeah, but we're exactly. not actually going to plan our workload on the basis of what we know is coming through the door. Absolutely. Which is dumb. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. You, you could not yeah. be more correct. Yeah. So she goes, well, do you want, still want to do it and wait? And I said, well, yeah, I drove over an hour to be here, so I guess yeah. we have to. She said it'll be done at 4.05. All right. So Brooke uh-huh. and I hang out at the mall for three hours. And quite honestly, we had a good time. It was fun. Right. And we get back at the store and it's 4.05. Imagine that. So I go and talk to the, a different person this time. Pulls it up on her iPad. And she says, they need another 20 minutes. All that's, right. You see, that's just... That's that's just completely unacceptable. You know, you've already. I've been there three hours, and and now yeah. they say another. 20 and now minutes. they've not been able to hit their their target for doing the work. So then we come back in twenty minutes. She goes, "It looks like they're done. It's going through diagnostics. They need another ten minutes." Oh, are you kidding me? I would have lost it at that point. Well, I was with my daughter, so yeah, I was restraining myself. Yeah. But she knew, well, actually, it was a he at this point. He knew I was not happy. Did you ask to see the store manager? No, it was, no. What's the point? Well, because I would have said, look, this is what's happened. 
I'm looking for um, some sort of gesture to reflect the inconvenience. The problem is, well, let me continue. We come back in 10 minutes. It's done. Uh, Go stand next to the table with the Apple Watches. All right. So we stand there, and we stand there for 25 minutes. Oh, you're kidding me. And this one girl's bringing out phones, giving them to people, checking them out, taking their money, going back and getting more phones. 25 minutes before we got our phone. So it was an hour later than what they actually told us. So it took four hours, not three. And I was not even the one that was the most angry. There was so many angry people there. And I can't tell you how many people I heard. I can't tell you. It's four. Four people I distinctly heard say... This is the last Apple product I'm going to buy. Yeah. So their goodwill gesture after screwing their own customers out of slowing down phones on purpose so you can have a better experience. Yeah. That How's that working out for you, Apple? And so now their good, good gesture is that they'll replace the batteries for dirt cheap. Oh, that sounds great, except they didn't ramp up for it. They're not ready for it. It was a fly-by-the-minute decision on both pricing and when it was going to take effect. And the end results are endless lines for three, four hours at an Apple store, making customers so angry that even though, hey, you helped them out, you give them a new battery, dirt cheap, they're not buying another iPhone, a lot of them now. See, again, if you know... Because I'm presuming it wasn't just that day. This must be like this every day in every Apple store. I so agree. when people are making the appointments, yeah, set expectations. Look, we're really busy. Look, it's because of this. Yeah, your times will be slower. Perhaps you might want to consider sending the phone off and having it done. You know, we can we can do it a different way. Um, but you know, we need to warn you that because of the demand at the moment, it's going to be a long time. So at least people know. Because the problem is you're turning up, you're expecting the normal Apple experience, and you're not getting it. That's what, that's what makes people angry. People are much capable, much more capable of dealing with the inconvenience of a situation if they know ahead of time what is going to happen. I just got an email from Apple. Yeah? We'd like to hear from you. You re- recently went to an Apple store for service. We'd love to hear about the experience. Take the survey. This is the second one of these emails, and I've already filled out the first survey, and I can can pretty much guarantee you know exactly what my survey was like. Yeah. I was thinking maybe that was a reply to my survey. No, they're so freaking incompetent, and they're sending me yet another email to take a survey that I already took uh, a week ago. Stupid. Crazy. Just stupid. You know, Apple's never been... I know that, look, we're, we're fans of their products. More importantly, I'm fans of the community. But they've never been great when it comes to stuff like this, and they've never been bad when it comes to stuff like this. I think they've been average. Sometimes they're awesome. You walk in, they just replace your stuff. Here's a brand new one. Wow, that was great. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And then you have the experience that I had. Yeah. This is just incompetence. Yeah, it is. Yeah, And, you know, um, it, it's just... Again, and we, how many times have we said this and how many times have half of the tech bloggers who follow Apple stuff said this over the last 18 months? Yeah. The management is not, is not great. No. They make decisions and then they don't understand, apart from when it comes to manufacturing. Yeah. There they've got it down, but where everything else, they don't understand the implications of the decisions they make. And then those decisions ending, end up disappointing loyal customers. You know, I think Apple is a, the corporate side of Apple, a lot lately anyways, are setting up their retail stores for failure. Yeah. This entire policy and what they did when it comes to the Apple store batteries or the iPhone batteries is setting themselves up for failure. Yeah. It was a piss poor decision right from the get go. And the way that they're trying to fix it is putting the burden of dealing with angry customers on the Apple stores that are already overloaded. Well, I think this is that this is the real problem is actually the Apple store model, which was revolutionary at the time they did it, 
it's just not working now. It's not scaling. No. They're selling so much product, yeah, and they have the same number of stores and the same number of people. The problem with a, with a, a Genie Spartan Apple store is it, it only has a finite amount of capacity, right. and yet they have millions more customers than they used to have. And unless you've got every other store being an Apple store, they just can't cope with the demand, uh, particularly when, when you get an own goal where they add something new that they know is going to generate demand and they don't ramp up for it. They need to, I, I think they need to Re- take a repair. long look at the Genius Bar model. I, I agree. I think the Genius Bar model should be for troubleshooting. It shouldn't be for repair. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I think they need to open up repair kiosks all over the damn place. Just... Four or five person staff kiosk where you go yeah. in, you bring your phone, they go, thanks, we'll have it for you in three hours. Yeah. And they're fixing it right there. Well, I, that, that's, I, I've used those sort of services before. I had the, uh, the battery replaced in this MacBook Pro that I'm using right now. And I went to an independent place. It was much cheaper than Apple. But that's exactly what they did. It was, it was, it was like when you, you, you know, when you used to go and get you, the thing it always reminds you of when you used to go and have your watch battery changed or you used to have a watch strap adjusted. Yeah. You would go to a jeweler's and there was normally two or three guys behind a sheet of glass just working through the stuff they had. Yep. Changing batteries and stuff like that. That's exactly the model that Apple needs for this sort of thing. I agree. And you know what? All of the independents, all the, I mean, here in Britain, there's loads of these little kind of corner store mobile phone shops where guys do this and they do it all the time. The problem is it's a crapshoot when you use those because they're not authorized and you don't know whether they're going to use great parts or something like that. I know a guy who lives not far from me who, um, who does cheap servicing and he sells his stuff on eBay. I have used him loads of times and he's ultra reliable, ultra quick. Now that's still a two, three day turnaround. But, you know, I know he's good. Now, yeah. if he can do it, exactly. you tell me Apple can't? That's right. Exactly. So let's move away from that because it's just... Yeah, because it's th- annoying. Yeah. Um, do you see- well, let me just ask one question. Is Brooke now happy with a phone? Sure. Um, you know, she lived for about thing. six to eight weeks with a broken screen. So obviously she's happy. And I handed it to her and I said, now that cost me 30 bucks, not including the Apple Care insurance itself. So if you do it again, it's going to cost another thirty bucks, and you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think as well, you should you should have a deal with Apple over it. You should just drop her off at the mall and say, "Call me when you're done." Yeah, keep an <laughs> eye on her, please. Yeah. Um, did you see Black Panther yet? I did. So I don't want to get into too many spoilers, to be honest. Um, uh, all I would say is I thought it was a great movie i did too. I really enjoyed it i you know some people are saying oh this should be marvel's first oscar contender i disagree no, um no. i don't even Not think it's i don't i yeah i don't understand why everyone's heaping praise after praise after praise on the movie it's, it was well, good it's because it because it's it's full of you know empowered people of color and empowered women a lot of people are in, in the current climate a lot of people uh, you know i think are are feeling that that's a very positive message and and are perhaps are looking at the film with that lens um I, I much as i as i you know champion the fact that those are the choices they made um in some respects that is inherent in the story so you know when you decide to do a black Pan- panther movie that all comes along with it so you know it's it's not i Obviously, we'd have hated if they decided to do a Black Panther movie and they'd managed to find, you know, kind of a white savior complex thing going on in, in it instead of being a proper movie. I I love that they did a great job on it. I love that it truly reflects the, um, the I think the spirit and the, of the culture and the um, the thinking behind the original comic book. But I, you know, that that is what it is. I don't believe it's the superhero equivalent of Twelve Years a Slave or something like that. It's you know, it's it's good. It's a great movie, but it is not profound enough to be winning awards, in my opinion. I agree, and I also don't even think it's. I think it's one of the better Marvel movies, but from a pure enjoyment, I liked all three of the Captain movie, Captain America movies better. Yeah. Um, I liked the first Avengers movie better. I like both Guardians better. I the Spider Man movie was a better movie, um, but I quite enjoyed it. There there were some flaws that I saw that. The way they established who he is, um, I didn't think it was reflected very good in this movie. I was like, 
I'm less impressed with him than I was in Captain America, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you with that. I think, I think the problem is they were, because they were servicing that wider plot, um, it, it's kind of funny, even though it's, it's a movie about him, he doesn't really get a lot of screen time no. to kind of bring over who he is. I will say, you know, in all honesty, this is the best bad guy in any of the Marvel movies. And that yeah. he was, I completely sympathized with him as a character. I understood why he was the way he was. Um, I completely bought that character a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I think the only, I think the only thing that, that kind of let the film down really in terms of terms of the bad guy is that, um, all the people who he, kind of brought to his side you kind of thought why would they do that right it doesn't seem doesn't seem to you know make sense in the context of the way they present uh wakanda the fact that 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 people would join with the bad guy or want to support the bad guy didn't didn't really gel with me i, I don't i thought that was a weakness of the film, i agree but I, I agree with you i think michael jordan's performance was amazing it's and yes this is this the best villains are the ones where you say right i might not agree with your methods but you know what you really have a point here and your um your grievance is real and legitimate yep. and yep. you're right to be upset about it yep i took, you know? and even the even took takala to i can't say it now um t'challa even he agrees that the bad guy has a point and he was yeah. wronged, hmm. but I, I, so I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was very good, but not awards. It's not awards. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm looking forward to solo coming up here real shortly. Uh, yeah. and of course, right after that, we're looking at, uh, wasp and ant-man and Avengers. So it's going to be a fun year this year, man. I, we've got some yeah. really good stuff coming. Yeah, it is. So, Let's jump into our stories because we've got a few. Uh, we do have a wiki trolling and we've got some feedback. So we're going to hit the stories now uh, after our uh, I, thanks to our sponsor. We're going to get into our feedback and then uh, wiki trolling. Wiki trolling, by the way, is we're talking about the Pioneer Corporation. Pioneer. And neither David or I have read anything on this Wikipedia page. So it's going to be fun. I know who they are, but I don't really know their history or anything. Um, I saw this over at The Verge, David. Apple devices at repair facilities have called 911 over 1,500 times. This is, um, I mean, it's one of these things you read the headline and you kind of, you chuckle and you think, oh, that's hilarious. And then you think, actually, bearing in mind what it's doing, that's that's not hilarious. Because no. everybody answering one of those calls is somebody who might, might you know there might be other calls where people have real emergencies you can't bother the 911 system with phones for mysterious reasons calling into 911 and apple doesn't even they're not even sure why this is doing this well i um i've got to be honest I, i'm i was aware that most apple devices have these kind of 911 modes where you can do a gesture or something and it'll call 911 for you i have no idea how mine would do that I don't know. Um, no. So, um, but it's not hard to imagine that something in the in the process they're using to deal with these phones is doing that. Um, obviously, even taking the SIM out of the phone is not going to help you because... You can still well, call 911. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I guess it's... Depending on what they're doing at the repair center, I guess it's not feasible to put a cell phone blocker up because obviously you need to test the phones. Right, um, you can't put in a they, Faraday look, cage. They have to. They have to deal with this. Yeah, um, and they need to figure out what it was. But this, you know, again, this is unintended consequences. Somebody comes up with an idea for emergency nine one one calling. Yeah, uh, and they implement it on the phones, and then they find that the phones are calling nine one one when they're not meant to. Um, and the weird part yeah. is, or the the sad part is that I think this is going to be a bigger problem than. Apple anticipates with how many more people are bringing in their phones right now for battery replacements and stuff like that. So Yeah, and what, what happens if it starts happening in the back of the stores? Well, that's where it is happening. That's the problem. Yeah, they, they, I mean, this story was a, was apparently they have a, a repair center in California that, that particularly was, right. was doing this. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose the only solution is is... Apple needs to do something to their process. That means when you bring the phone in for repair, they plug it in and it sends a bit that disables that mode. Um, 
that's the way to do it. But uh, I don't know. It's again, it's it's just each of these individual things are just a thing. Yeah, and you can kind of shrug your shoulders and go, well, that's just something else to deal with. It's the constant accumulation of things that it's disappointing. And, you know, it could be it could be reporting. It could be that Samsung and Google and other people have all of these same sorts of problems. and It just never makes the press. But um, it's not a good look. Put it that way. Next one is um, and I'm torn on this, to be honest, this is from Recode. Um, Democratic senator out of uh, Minnesota says that I'm reading as I'm kind of trying to talk that Twitter and Facebook in particular has a big bots problem. We know this fake accounts. They post fake news. They get people riled up playing on racial tensions and cultural tensions uh, political tensions, you name it. She's saying that they should be fined if they can't get rid of these bots. And my initial response is, oh, come on. But then I stop and think about it, that how many people are on Facebook and Twitter every single day? And these bots are having an effect on people. I don't think there's any question about that. And she says, Klubacher uh, is her name, I think. Uh, these are the most sophisticated companies in America, she said. They have brilliant people working there. They've got to put uh, more resources. Maybe it means making less profit off of ads and other things, but they've got to put more resources into Facebook and Twitter to stop these bots from dominating the accounts. Um, Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd asked if social media giants should be fine if they can't purge themselves of bots that the government has discovered. I think that would be a great idea, she said. But then you need Congress to act, and that's the problem right there. So I don't know. I, yeah. I'm torn on this. Uh, I, I don't want the government trying to govern social media because it goes across um, both political lines and, and, and national lines. I mean, well, the, the difficult look. There's, there's a there's a whole host of problems with that. I mean, that is peris, perilously close to censorship. If the government imposes a a, a restriction on a on a company because it doesn't like the um, platform's ability to publicize things. Yeah, I mean that th- the difficulty is even a bot you could argue is free speech. Somebody, if somebody creates a bot to do something, you could make an argument that, that is an expression of free speech. The the difficulty here is that it realistically, yeah, the last thing you want is government. Is, is starting to go down the road of government saying, you know, we are going to say that, that this speech is acceptable, this one isn't. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, what the, I, I, this is the wrong headed approach. And, and unfortunately, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of politicians coming up with this. It's the same with the encryption problem where, you, you know, they say, well, these, these, it's exactly the same, uh, rhetoric. These companies are full of the brightest people in the world. And they have huge resources. Therefore, they must come up with a technical solution to this problem. No. Yeah. That you can't, there are some problems that can't be solved by engineering and technology. There are some are. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to put levers on the company so that instead of coming up with technical solutions, they have the right policies. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, they already have the policies for dealing with this, with this. The problem is they don't enact them properly. That's exactly right. Yeah? They're not, they're so not what, what, policing themselves. What you need themselves. to do is not be fining companies. Yeah? You need to be a, first of all by demonstrating what intelligent discourse is when it comes to politics, yep. which let's face it, most political um, political parties in whatever country you're in do a terrible terrible job of that. But secondly yeah, you need to be saying to them this is your problem to deal with uh, but, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to deal with this problem by identifying this one spot point and finding you for that is not the way to do it. I don't know. They yeah. have policies already in place, and they're doing a piss-poor job of enacting those policies and policing them. So what's the consequences? Well, people aren't going to stop using them. I, I wish that was a consequence. Maybe it would be a better place if we did. Um, but there has to be consequences for, you know, 
what's right. going on. But so, I, I don't know what so, I don't know the, if it's the, the government best, yeah, enacting the better, the better solution in my mind is uh, let's just take America's example. If you want social media to not be a cesspool of political bots, what I suggest what would happen is both political parties need to stop paying Facebook and Twitter for political advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Because then if, if neither party uses social media for political messaging, then anything you see on there, you know, must be non-legit. But every time you, this is the, they want the cake and eat it. They want to be able to, you know, publicize their own campaigns and their own candidates but they don't want the bots to be on there. Well, you can't have one without the other. Right. I think it's yeah. going to take um, class action lawsuits from people like you and I that use these services. Uh, class action lawsuits to enact these kind of aggressive changes. And it's not even changes, it's just that they actually do their freaking job yeah. and, and maintain the policies. But... Until that happens, and it has to be some huge lawsuits against them that cost the company a lot of money, it's there's. I don't see that they are trying to fix the problem at all. Look, unfortunately, the the money talks, and you do have to put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. The analysis is where uh, UK government ads, the UK government videos, um, or UK government advertising was appearing around extremist videos on YouTube. Yeah. So the government, are, the British government, pulled all of their advertising from YouTube. You bet that YouTube acted then. Yep. Yeah, that is exactly what you need to do. That is the only. You know, these companies don't care about fines. No. Yeah, they make billions of dollars a year. Yep. Fines don't make any difference. Not unless you're going to fine them half their revenue. Yeah, but you stop paying for ads on their platform, they'll sit up and take notice of that really quickly. Yeah. Next one, talking about money. This is. You know, it, it seems like we've talked about this since we started Tech Fan, and even before that, when we were doing the MyMac podcast. This is Ars Technica. Clicker Heroes Maker compares new lawsuit from patent troll to extortion. Well, I, it is extortion. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. Yeah. Uh, Playsaurus, a small Los Angeles-based game studio that makes Clicker Heroes and the upcoming Clicker Heroes Two, which, by the way, I've never played or even heard of, to be honest has recently been threatened with a lawsuit if it doesn't pay $35,000 for a patent licensing fee to cover a patent for electronic tokens. It's just... Uh, and the problem here isn't necessarily the patent trolls, because you're going to have that. I don't care what you do. The problem here is the U.S. government's patent office allowing nonsensical pat patents to get into the marketplace in the beginning. It's, yep. it's, it's crazy. Uh, not only that as well, the legal system, uh, I think, I think the way patent law is prosecuted needs, uh, some significant reform as well, because what is this company doing? Yeah. This patent troll, they're trying to shake down a small developer for in the grand scheme of things, uh, a small amount of money, but they're doing that to loads and loads of people. So they get a big amount of money. Yeah, what they're not doing is going is going to uh, Blizzard or to any or to EA or any of the big companies are doing that because you know those companies have got the financial pockets to fight them in court. Yeah, so to me, I I think the one way to deal with patent trolling is yeah, you've got to you've got to improve the patent office. You've got to fund it properly. You've got to have enough people in there to do a decent job. But secondly, you've got to refund uh, patent law so that you can't just pick and choose who you're going to sue over your patent. Yeah? If somebody's breaching your patent, you can't... Um, it should be a legal defense to say, well, I'm doing... I, you're saying I breach your patent, but there's these companies over here that are doing exactly the same thing, and you're not suing them. Right. It's... <sighs> I, I can't believe we're still talking about this crap. I really can't. It, it, there is something has to be done and I don't care which political party does it, but it's, it's speeding out of control at this point. Now, look, if someone's has a patent and somebody else infringes on it, it's a legitimate pat patent that, Hey, this is a product that we've got out in the market. We've got a patent on it. And look, this company is doing the same thing using the same, uh, technology that we invented and have a patent on to do the same thing, that's a legitimate issue. 
But these kind of things, it's just got to stop. Uh, well, also as well, I mean, the the ability to trade patents, you know, like like their um, like their tokens, that in itself also needs looking at. Yeah, I, I, in my opinion, what you need to do is you need to legislate to stop people becoming patent trolls in the first place. Yep. It should be permissible to buy up patents, never do anything with them except sue people in court. Yep, I agree. You know? So the last piece of uh, news that we're talking about, honestly, I'm thinking about saving this for the next episode because it's such a big topic and I don't it want is. to shortchange it. Yeah, and, and I, think it, I think it will... It will possibly spill out beyond the story here into other areas. So yeah, I, I think agree. that will be a good one for next week. So we do want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. Obviously, guys, we've been talking about them for a couple of years now. If you've got a Mac and you're thinking of upgrading it, instead of just going out and buying a new Mac, maybe you could upgrade your current Mac. Maybe it could use an SSD. If you don't have an SSD at this point, really, come on. you got to you got to put an SSD in there. It makes a world of difference. Uh Possibly new RAM. If if you're if you're using a Mac with four gigs of RAM, come on. <laughs> not not only that as well. You know, everyone's used to nowadays going on eBay, going onto Amazon, uh, and just you know when they want something, they buy the cheapest one they can find. Yep. Yeah. The problem with that, and and this will this will link into the story we'll talk about next week, is that when you buy from those places, you do not know what you're getting. Exactly. And you're going to take something that potentially could be sketchy and you're going to plug it into your, you know, multi-thousand dollar computer. Or your phone. You're going to you, you're gonna yeah. go buy some cheap cable that you found on eBay. That's, you get, oh, look, I get four lightning cables for eight bucks with free shipping. Yeah. And, you know, I had this myself just recently. Yeah. I bought a USB-C charger. Yeah. And when I got it. Before I used it, I should, what I should have done is this before I purchased it on Amazon, is I went looking to make sure that it was legit and it was okay and it wasn't going to damage my stuff. Sure enough, I find I find that actually has a major technical flaw. I'm not careful it could burn out my computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, If you buy from MacSales.com, you don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. Yeah, you, get, you still get the great service. You get the great kind of approach that a company like Amazon takes – in terms of looking after you, uh, probably far better than Amazon, to, to be honest. But you're also getting guys who've worked with the manufacturers to design and build this stuff themselves. So they know it's work probably It's not going to break your stuff. And I can speak from personal experience. I worked there. They take quality and customer service so seriously, you, you just can't imagine it. Um, that's why I'm happy to have them as a sponsor. Look, I like the money that they pay us, but, you know, we, we could take money from different companies. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> this is fact, one we like. You, know, you and I both get solicitations all the time in our email from people who have heard stuff we've talked about in the show and they want to kind of get, well, maybe you talk about our thing or maybe you, you could talk about our blog posts and this, that and the other. And we just don't take it from anybody because we want to be sure that the stuff we're talking about is legit and is good quality. And we don't want to have our listeners coming back to us going, oh, yeah, you know, I listened to that ad you ran and I bought it and it was terrible. Yeah, exactly. So we... The last show that we actually did together two weeks ago, the big theme, of course, was, uh, I, you know, I think that the phones are getting boring. Yeah. You disagree. So we had a back and forth, and we got some feedback on that and some other stuff. The first one is from Scott on uh, Twitter, and he wrote, uh, I agree with Tim that phones are getting boring, but David is right that uh, a mainly screen phone is there for a reason. Anything too wild and it's just hardware that gets in the way. For the sake of food being different, uh, sake of di- being different, yeah. a computer phone is basically about display. Oh, look, somebody's written in big letters underneath that note. Right! Yeah. Exclamation mark. Yeah, you see where it says, I agree with Tim hmm. that phones are getting boring. So, yeah, he's right. No, yeah, no, no, it says David is right. No, it just says right. David is right. No, yeah, somebody's, somebody has commented on that on that message saying, that they're right. Yeah, he's, they're, they're, right. They're, they're wrong on that one. <laughs> Donnie Ankela wrote in, um, completely agree with Tim about the phones being boring. Was thinking the exact same thing before listening to the podcast. Remember the teardrop mock-ups that were rumored to be uh, the iPhones years ago? Yep. I, I'd love to see 
something like that just to mix it up some. No, no, I just see, want to see something it says, different. It says underneath that in big letters, wrong. Yeah, and that that is right. No, yeah, yeah it's right. It's wrong. Yeah, it's you're right. right. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he also wrote in. Um, he always wanted a ColecoVision growing up because of that Donkey Kong. Might have to looking look into getting the flashback. Uh, I don't remember if my ColecoVision has the. No, Donkey well, Kong. The, the, yeah, the the flashback ones often don't have Donkey Kong on because, of course, that's owned by Nintendo and they yeah. won't license it. Mm-hmm. So if you want if you want to play ColecoVision Donkey Kong, you're going to have to look to the emulators and search the the uh, search the web for a ROM. So uh, Michael on Twitter wrote, "When the technology has become boring, it's it's become reliable. That's what we want. Microsoft has perfected the heart of exciting." You never know when their products are going to work or when they're going to hit you hard with a reality big stick. In my opinion, uh, Android programs looked at iOS and came up with the equivalent of a Microsoft product. I would disagree with his premise. I don't think Microsoft has ever perfected the heart of exciting, ever. Um, I've never been excited about Microsoft I think, I think what he's saying is it's exciting because you never know whether it's going to be any good or not. Like, I think that's the point he's trying to make. Well, I don't think that makes something exciting or not. I well, think it's, uh, you, you could, that, that would I be mean, anticipation, there's, maybe. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a famous Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. I, I think that's kind of what he's saying. As Interesting can be interesting good or it can be interesting bad, but it's always interesting. I think that's what the point that uh, Michael's trying to make here is that, you know, with the with the with the non-boring stuff where they're constantly innovating it you're going to get some stuff that's great and you're going to get some stuff that's garbage and you don't know until you buy it and try it what it's going to be now you could say that's far more interesting but the point is is that 50 percent of the time you're going to get stuff that's garbage and that is a problem i i i'm i'm struck by this i've been reading the reviews of the new uh, galaxy s9 this week yeah uh, and there's a lot of people saying you know what this would be a perfect phone um, if is Samsung it? could deliver better. Well, but yeah. where's the problem they've copied there, David? A lot of features from the iPhone 10 and they've copied them badly. And so it's the, the whole phone is, is less than some of its parts. Except the hardware it's itself can... is great. And it's the software that's great. No, honestly, the hardware is not great to be yeah, honest. Every review I read said the no, hardware is really good. The screen's good. It feels good in your hand. It gets yeah, good battery life. The face recognition doesn't work properly. But that's and that software. is not just software. Yeah, that's mostly, hardware as nah, well. They've also said that the fingerprint sensor is, is not great. That's hardware, not software. Actually, the fingerprint thing I heard is about as reliable as Apple's now. That's the only saving grace because the face stuff and the iris thing doesn't work very well. I, I think the problem, the, some of the part of the problems when you read Android reviews is you get some people who are used to using their iPhone and compare them, and then you get other Android reviews where they're just comparing them against other Android phones. Right. And, and so those are the ones who say it's great because it's best of the Android phones. I don't deny that the Galaxy S9 is probably the best Android phone you can buy, but whether it's as good as the iPhone 10 in in other areas I think the jury's out on that and I, I think a lot of the features that Samsung have crammed in and we're seeing it where everywhere there are some some manufacturers have even copied the notch yes it's stupid <laughs> you know just so it looks the same as the iPhone yeah one of them I think it was Asus or something said we want a phone that is an Android phone but from a distance looks like the iPhone 10 yeah <laughs> I mean it's just it's just ridiculous so in other words I, it's the hardware that's boring is what you're telling me uh-huh. I'm not saying that's my case. No. Uh, next one is weird. It's from 12, 27, 17. It's Big Mac, uh, McChicken, three large. Oh, never mind. This is my note on the last time I went to McDonald's. <laughs> um, let me go back to the show notes. There we go. Uh, <laughs> this one from Warren. And he was actually responding to last week's show when we used the geekiest show ever, mm-hmm. uh, number six, where we talked about Star Wars. And he says. You guys were pretty spot on about the new movie, new set of movies, which we actually were. Uh, also kind of neat how you describe the condition of the Millennium Falcon. The new solo movie is supposed to show the ship in its younger years without the years of abuse. And from the previews that I've seen of the solo movie, that's exactly uh, what it shows. Although I do have a huge problem when it shows the new, the, the new Millennium Falcon, you know, before it was all beat up. The front of it doesn't have that big gap in the middle. I don't... Well, I I can only... I mean, from playing the games, I'm aware that the the point about that gap in the front is that was where... Because it's meant to be a freighter. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was where you docked the uh, the freighter with the cargo pods that you actually pushed around. Right. That's what it was designed to do. So presumably, because of this, this solo movie is much earlier in its life, it still has more of that stuff there and it's been stripped away over the years or whatever. I don't know. We'll presume, uh, hopefully the, the plot of the movie will kind of shed some light about that. I, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm really worried about that film. Really I, I got to be honest. I, 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 I'm a little... I'm apprehensive. Let me put it that way. Yeah. I like the fact that Ron Howard came in to fix it, but yeah. I don't know how broken it was to begin with. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I quite like the guys who were directing it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, they just haven't given me enough in the previews to go. Yeah. I buy him as Han Solo. I, I think the problem we have with, with, um, Disney's approach to Star Wars is that, you know, it has been a bit rough and uneven. Well, I not, don't not in that. In, no, let me let me qualify that. They've they've pulled it out of the bag every single time. Yes. Yeah, but they've had some problems along the way, and and at one point, you know, it is inevitable that they you know they have a problem along the way, and they won't be able to save it, and it will fall flat on its face. And here's now, where I think the problem is: is to to build off of what you just said. I don't think Disney has a plan for Star Wars. Yeah. And I think you only have to look at this new trilogy as an example. I think J.J. Abrams, when he rebooted the system with The Force Awakens, I think that was a brilliant movie. I think it was exactly the direction they needed. Um, I think we both agree that the new uh, movie was equally as good, yeah. but for different reasons. But when you listen to what how he changed what J.J. Abrams had planned, that tells me they don't have a cohesive plan, a story that they're trying to tell. They're just trying to make good movies that's going to do extremely well in the box office. My fear there is unless you have an overriding plan, this is, we're starting here and we're ending here. We want these characters to have this arch. This is why we're going to kill off this character. This is why that, unless they have that, it's just eye candy. It becomes Transformers, and that's yeah. my fear. Have they got there yet? Absolutely not. There's still every single one of the new Star Wars films. There's been three, have been brilliant. I think that uh, the Force Awakens, I, I loved it. Uh, Rogue One was unbelievable. That was yeah, such a great movie. That's the best yeah. of the bunch so far. It is the best of the bunch. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the new one. What is it called? Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Really liked it. I think it's number three. I really, yeah. really dug it. Solo, too early to tell, but I'm ambivalent after watching the the small trailer and then the larger trailer. I still don't have any sense of what the hell the movie's even about. Um, or, you know, if you didn't know your Star Wars history, you don't know who any of these characters are. Yeah. It looks cool, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, then go ahead and read the last one from Owen, because Owen actually posted on... Uh, two weeks ago on the show notes. Yeah. He says, I think YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, this is when we were talking about, you know, their issues. It goes up, goes on, on, on the story we just talked about. Really? The, I think YouTube and Twitter and Facebook worry about freedom of speech issues. In addition to the money, I get the morals issue, but whose morals? I'm sure some people will find many music media, uh, mu- video music videos without morals. It's a slippery slope to squelch people because where do you draw the line? Not that I have an answer for that. On the watch, as we talked about the uh, Apple Watch as well and the processors in it and the Android watches, I have an LG watch and it's 100% correct. It was a gift, but I would not have purchased it and it is slow. On the HomePod, I spent a lot of time with HomePod at a friend's house. Yes, it sounds good, but Siri was its typically bad self. People tried Google and Echo commands, and it fails miserably. And it's cost? Seriously. And when did we decide we don't need stereo anymore? Strange we all seem happy with a single speaker now. I'm not. Yeah. Um, Well, because one of the big features of HomePod is that you buy two of them, and then you can do stereo. Well, no, (laughs) it doesn't work yet. That no, feature hasn't been implemented. Eventually, apparently it will. Oh. But so let's anybody just release who goes a, by two in them now. Yeah, let's just release the product crippled. Yeah. We'll just release it now. It'll be crippled, but who cares? Yeah. But to be honest with you, I, I've, I, I'm thinking more and more on it. That if you really want a great speaker and a you know, great sound system and you also want um, 
this is me talking now, not Owen. And you also want the uh, the smart the smart functions. You've by far the best thing you can do now is buy an Echo Dot and plug it into the back of a, of a real stereo. Yeah. My, he, Owen goes on, my last phone was Sony's Xperia Z3, and I loved it for m- many of the reasons you mentioned. You also did not mention Sony's program to transfer your iPhone info into the Sony and back. That was amazing. I am now on an S8 Samsung, and I'm quite happy with how well Android works these days. I do not really miss the nonsense that is Apple. Well, you're trading one set of nonsense for another there. Yeah. Bixby, anybody? Um, he also says, I had an Intellivision. It was not great, but fine at the time but I had a prototype of something called Play Cable. This was a device that attached to my cable company's cable, and for $9.95 a month gave access to 20 or 30 games each month, some rotating out on a monthly basis. It was basically a modem and memory box that attached to a cartridge slot. When you picked a game, it downloaded it to the RAM in the modem and started that game. That was kind of cool and let me try a lot of games. Of course, we, we have something a little bit similar to that now in that you can get with the Xbox and PlayStation, you can get these subscription services where you can download games while you while you continue paying. Yep, it's basically a modern modern take on the same thing. But you know, Owen had Owen must have tried prototypes of pretty much everything. Yeah, he lives in Silicon was, Valley, so he, yeah, he was he was connected back then. Yeah, he worked for is. Atari, worked for Apple. I mean, yeah. Um, Owen and everyone else, thanks very much for the feedback. We of course welcome feedback. On this episode or any episode, simply send an email to the show at techmanpodcast.com. Post it on the uh, websites if you want, right under the comments at either mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter. In fact, most of our uh, feedback this time came through Twitter. So, Wiki Trolling. You know, I listened to, there's a really good podcast, I think you'd enjoy it, David, called How I Built This. Uh, it's yeah. usually about a half hour, 45 minutes long. It's an NPR podcast. And the host, it's been going on for a little over a year, maybe two years now. I just got into it just recently. Um, interviews people who started companies and kind of talks about the journey. And he's had people, uh, the guy who started uh, Whole Foods, uh, the guy who started... Um, Airbnb, yeah, I'm seeing yeah, it, Instagram. It, it, it's really good, yeah. but... One of the ones he just did recently that, well, I don't know if it was recent, the one I listened to. Um, shoot, I forgot where I was going with that. I, it doesn't really matter. Um, the point is, it's really, oh, it, it, he talked to the guy who started Wikipedia. Right. And Jimmy yeah, well. yeah, and it was a really good interview. I, it, it, the guy's really good at asking questions and then shutting up and letting the guest talk. Yeah, and, and I'm just looking through this list here. I mean, yes. a very wide. It's not just tech. It's all no, sorts it's of all yeah. It's, it's people who invented the chipmunks here. Um, but you know, this I've, I'm going to have to get into this because this looks really good. It is really you good know, show. The, I, I'm NPR, really enjoying it. And what NPRs are going for it is the juice to get really interesting. Exactly. People on shows like this. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's been a fascinating podcast. Obviously, uh, they're not a sponsor or anything. But how I made this, I suggest anybody listen to this show. If you like this show, you're going to like that show. Trust me. Um, so I got to listen to how Wikipedia got started, and uh, I thought, huh, we do a Wikipedia thing every week now. Yeah. <laughs> so this week's Wiki Trolling is what we call it, because we troll Wikipedia finding content that we want to talk about. We're focusing on the Pioneer Corporation. Now, David, Pioneer, for me, has always been about car stereos and home stereos. That's what it was. Yeah. And they're bigger than that, and they've been around a lot longer than I thought. They were formed in, or founded in 1938 in Japan. And, you know, they're a multinational corporation. They're based in Tokyo. And uh, Nozumu Matsumoto founded it as a radio and speaker repair shop. Think wow. about that. They He started, uh, he, he just fixed radios and speakers. Yeah. Um, Pioneer played a role in the development of interactive cable TV, the laser disc player, the first automotive compact disc player. I remember that one actually, and it skipped all the time. Every time you had a pothole or, <laughs> oh, it was bad. Uh, the first detachable face car stereo, which by the way, was awesome because everyone was getting their stereos ripped off back in the day. And so you just push this little button and the face of your stereo would come right off. You take it and work with you. Yeah. Super Turner, Super Tuner technology, DVD and DVD recording, plasma displays, organic LED displays. I mean, 
man, they've been around for a long time and, and they're right on the cusp of, of cre- helping create a lot of the stuff. I guess that's makes pioneer kind of a, <laughs> an appropriate name. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, you know what I, you and I, one of the many things we have in common is that before we got into computers, we were both into hi-fi. Uh, and I remember that, you know, back in the day when, when you're doing that, there was some, there was a lot of, of, you know, that kind of the regular Japanese companies who were doing hi-fi, you know, companies like Iowa and Hitachi and people like that. But there were some companies who you knew were specialists in hi-fi. You know, they, you knew that if you bought their stuff, you were getting something that was a little bit of a cut above. Yeah. It wasn't high end, you know, but it wasn't low end either. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't Nakamichi or anything like that, where you were talking about true, you know, true, really high end audio quality. Right. But you knew, but it was, it was almost like you could say, um, certainly in, in, in early days, the Apple of the hi-fi world in that you were paying more for something that was a premium better product had more innovation in it had more um technical chops in it It was normally a little well built and you paid a little bit more i remember pioneer was squarely in that in my mind anyway was squarely in that arena for me if you got a pair of pioneer speakers you knew you were getting something that was going to sound really nice yep so going through their history it's a bullet point so you know some of these products don't mean anything to me, so I'm going to skip quite a bit of this. But again, it was founded in uh, 1937, and they developed the A8, A8 dynamic speaker. Um, the one that kind of jumped out at me here, let me find it here again. Uh, in 1962, introduced the world's first separate stereo system. That's yeah. kind of crazy. We think you of separates to, now as yeah. well. You don't. You don't. You don't buy a stereo system and it's just all one thing and that's it. You still do that, but those are always the cheap ones. The the yeah. better ones were the separates. I'm going to get this tuner and then I'm going to get this yeah. deck, cassette deck back in the day or CD player, and I'm going to get. You know, you build your system up according to what you can afford and the best products. You know, in that category. And I didn't yeah, realize I'd- that. Pioneer was the one that invented that, just in yeah, the sixties, and, and, and really cool that because the, to come up with the technology to uh, standardize interconnects between systems must have been, um, you know, that that must have been pretty cutting edge when they first. Oh did yeah, yeah, uh, and and yeah, the beauty of that always was that you could. I, I mean, some people had stuff that all matched. Another, I'm, mine, for instance, none of it matched. It was all different no, colors. It was me. all different sizes. That's what I like, like about little, mine. Yeah. It was a little, little pyramid. But the advantage of that was that you could, you know, when you got some money or you wanted to do something different, you could change that component but keep the rest of it. Or or better yet, if a component failed, your whole system's not shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, of course. And we've gone from there to the single standalone smart speaker. Go figure. Uh, in 1977, they introduced the f- world's first two-way addressable CATV system in the US. What's that mean? And they did this with Warner Cable. That's what led to being able to order something via cable, like a movie. Yeah. Because it has to communicate both ways. That's right. That was just in 1977. In 78, they uh, introduced the SX 1980 receiver, Pioneer's most powerful receiver to date. <laughs> yeah. And they were they were big in Laserdisc. That oh, yeah. I do remember. 1979, uh, they introduced the industry used Laserdisc player. Yeah. And 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 laserdisc was another of those technologies that I think, you know, it was it was incredibly cool for the time, but it never you, you never felt it got a fair crack of the whip. It never took off. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it's kind of sad really because it was really good for the day. How about 1990? They introduced the world's first CD-based GPS automotive navigation system. So some of our listeners might not realize what that means. So way back in the day, you can get GPS in your car, but you there was no memory in the car, so it was reading uh, maps and everything from CDs. Digital memory was really expensive. Ex- yeah, exactly. Because, because Pioneer was so big in automotive, I mean, that was always one of their strengths. They they had the um, they had the systems where you know you had the CD. I remember these. You had, you'd have like a stack of six CDs in a in a cartridge in the trunk. Right. Yep. Yeah, and you put those in, and, and it was a changer. 
But the thing is, the CDs themselves were separate from where the music came out. So you'd have a head unit up front and then a CD player in the back. So it was, I guess it was natural for them to adapt that technology for, um, GPS, for GPS maps because yeah, because memory back in the nineties was really, really expensive. You couldn't have a flash memory card with no. all that stuff on. It would have cost thousands of dollars. Uh, in 1992, they introduced the world's first 4X CD-ROM changer. Yeah. That's, that was, I, I remember that, actually. Um, uh, you know what? Those were crazy times before MP3 came out. I had one where, uh, I mean, there were a lot where, you, where they were like slot-based, so you either put a cartridge in with the six, like I said, or you would feed them in one after the other into the slot, and it would kind of store them inside. I had one, um, I don't think it was Pioneer, to be honest. I can't remember who made it. But it was, it looked like a big record player, and it actually had a turntable with like four CD CD holes in it. And what would happen? It was very cool actually because you could just watch it. It was all covered in red and green lights and stuff. So you'd drop four CDs into these four slots. You know, kind of like you put coffee's coffee cup in a coffee holder. Right. Yeah. And then what would happen is the whole thing would rotate to put the CD you wanted to play underneath where the laser was. Yeah. Um, and then when you when it, if you finished with that one, you'd hit a button and it would swing that it would rotate again, kind of a, like a carousel, and then put the next CD under and everything. And and that was the kind of stuff people were doing, you know, physically like robots moving CDs around, because that's what you had to do to play different music. Uh, they introduced the world's first DVD-R recordable drive in 1997. At that point, we were and my Mac was already underway. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that too. Uh, I think we actually wrote about it way back in the day, uh, and that was that was a big thing. You could burn your own DVD, and it wasn't just movie DVDs. For us at my Mac, it was all about burning data to DVDs. Yeah, that was that was a huge amount of data back in back in the day. Yeah, it was. It was, it was five just, five point eight gigabytes or something, which was uh, you kind of laugh at that now. You can you get a flash drive that that will do four or five times that for about three dollars. But um, yeah, that was a huge amount of data at the time. They also introduced the world's first high definition fifty inch plasma display that same year, nineteen ninety seven. Think about it, ninety seven. I remember that fifty inch plasma display that they released i i wanted one so bad it was so awesome looking yeah if you saw one today you'd still think it was pretty awesome although it can't do 4k or 2k or any of that stuff but yeah most people don't see the difference anyways even though they pretend they do um and then we got kind of it kind of goes the opposite direction here yeah they've been in decline for some time in 2010 pioneer stops producing tvs um they got really big into DJ software. In fact, I I did a review for uh, Amazon on a DVD or on a DJ system, which I suck at, by the way. Um, just a few years ago. Yeah. But you know they don't they don't make TVs anymore. They don't they don't they've do sold, a lot. They've sold the DJ line. Yep. They don't do that anymore. Um. You know, they still do the car stuff, but they didn't really do an awful lot else. Uh -uh. Um, I, I don't know what yeah. what they do too much anymore. Yeah, well, I, look, a lot of these Japanese companies have, have declined significantly. I mean, even the behemoths like Sony are, are nowhere near, the, in, in the consumer electronics space, nowhere near as big as they were. You know, um, I, I'm looking at their original Pioneer logo from 69 to 98, and then the one from 98 to present. I like the one in... The older uh, one, I, better. You know what? It's funny. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I remember that logo uh -huh. with the kind of the the microphone in the ring. Yeah. And I and the thing is, because what they could do when they had that is they could put just the, the the logo graphic on the front of the speakers and the things. It was incredibly cool. I think to be honest, with you, I think this is why they've declined. It's because they changed to a sucky logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nineteen ninety eight when they changed to a logo, it's that's just. Name Pioneer in a in a stupid font. That's that's when it went all downhill from there. I can agree. You know? <laughs> they still do a lot of uh, factory OEM speaker systems for premium audio. Um, they don't sound as good, I think, as the JBL systems that I see in um, other companies. Um, but they're, I mean, I, they're still around. But they're, Pioneer isn't Pioneer anymore. I don't think. Maybe we're wrong, but it's. I don't know. Maybe eighty, ninety years is as long as most companies can go before 
this happens to them. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of sad because yeah, they were they were a big thing when we were when we were growing up, and now they ain't. Well, there you go. That's our wiki trolling uh, section for this week. We both learned something because there's a lot of stuff about Pioneer I had no idea about. Yeah. Very innovative company that seems to be on the decline nowadays. Maybe We've still got sixteen thousand employees, so uh, you know. Yeah. Maybe just maybe they maybe it's all in the background and and they 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 Oh, I'm sure. They ever were. We just we just don't get to see yeah, it. Yeah, but Mindshare has a lot to do with, you know, reality, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh just cuz we don't see them doesn't mean they're not popular, but if we're not seeing them, then they're not popular. I mean, yeah. it's I don't know. I I think it's still a a brand that could be resurrected as far as Mindshare. Um but I don't know. Doing what? Making computers? Making tablets? Making phones? I don't know. S- stick with audio, I think, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Stay in your lane. So with that, Dave and I are going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Really appreciate you guys staying all the way to the end. Again, we'd love to get feedback from you. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Please be sure to go to maxsales.com and visit our sponsor. It really helps if you go there by clicking a link at either mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com so they know that, hey, the traffic is coming from uh, where we're putting money. So you really help us out if you're doing that. Even if you don't buy nothing, hey, just go there and make a click. (laughs) Don't do that. Go there if you're actually going to buy something. I don't like fake clicks. So, David, anything before we wrap? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, um, I've got, I've got a few different tech projects that I've had going on or will have going on over the next few weeks. So, um, well, I still have the Sony phone that I have to review. I haven't even yeah. barely looked at it, but, um, I need to, we need to talk about the, um, next thing I, I want to talk to you about is this, the, the Sony, the Sony PS Vita. Okay. I've been, in, I've been enjoying the Vita. So you need to send me the links to what you did week. to it because I, uh, I I think I might want to do that with mine. I haven't opened up. My Vita is still plugged in. I've got yeah. maybe four games for it, uh, mostly Grand Theft Auto games. That's what I bought it for. Yeah. But I want to, after listening to what you were telling me about, I kind of want to do yeah. something. And So all I would say, and this is a spoiler for next week's episode then, do not update it. From when? I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. So if you've got one that's been sat there for a year or two and you haven't updated it, that's what you want. Don't update it. All right. If you go playing with it, turning it on, don't let it connect to the network and update. Okay. And and, and then I will I will talk about a cornucopia of cool things you can do with it. So uh, it's a nice little tease. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see you then. <laughs>